It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Wallacer are in the house. All natural, no pesticides, no artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020, KDKA. All right, folks, let's just get right to work. 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, KDK.com. Doug and Jess from the Tribune Review, ready to take your questions. It's the Organic Gardener and Mr. Bambino, as in Brock Snyder, ready to take the 10th caller at 412-922-1020. That person will win a $25 gift certificate from Sorgal. So let's uh, get right to it, and hopefully you're starting to dial right now with your questions at 866-391-1020 or Dollar Bank Instant Access, KDK.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Doug and Jess. Good morning, Doug Oster from the Tribune Review and EverybodyGardens.com. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser. Hey, it's raining again. Woohoo! <laughs> Just what we need more rain. I'm telling you, I've it's never crazy. seen this. I've never seen this not having to water. Yeah. I, I, I've just, I've never seen it. And yesterday I was up in Butler at a cool place called Osterling's Lawn and Garden. It was like stepping back in time. So beautiful, such a, and filled with organic products. Uh, a big shelf behind the counter with, uh, Seeds in big jars. I love that. Oh, I love nice. that. So, like an old me, school like, nursery. Yeah, like yep. three different beets up there. Like, yeah, give me some of the cylindrica, you know. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, but the, the number one thing people wanted to know about were fungal issues. Yeah. Tomatoes, uh, powdery mildew on flocks and vine crops, uh, black spot on roses. Yep. It is the perfect storm for all this stuff. Absolutely. And especially when we get rain in the evenings and the plants sit wet all night long. I mean, that is just putting out the welcome mat for all those fungal spores. And I mean, the, the, I, guess the, I guess the one redeeming thing about fungal issues is that the vast majority of them on our ornamental plants are aesthetic. They make the plant not look so hot for the season. Uh, but they really don't overall impact the health of the plant. Although, you know, in the vegetable garden, that's tough because you only have that one season, right? It's not like a perennial where it'll be back bigger and better next year. And so I, I just more let, I let my old-fashioned flocks go. Yeah. I don't I do not do anything on my Monarda, on any of my ornamentals. Uh, yeah, Monarda. If they get powdery mildew, I don't worry about it. But but it's 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 the first off, Yeah, uh, I got it a month earlier on mm-hmm. the, my old-fashioned flocks. And it's really bad. Yeah. It really looks ugly. Yeah. I, you know, I'm lucky enough where, again, like I always say, I always, if I see something ugly, I turn my head and look for something beautiful, but not everybody can do that. Right. And even this is getting bad for me. I did a little video about it. I said, it looks bad, but I'm not going to touch it. It's not worth it. Yeah. Now, in the vegetable garden, though, like if you, I just had a, I, a column I, in the trib, the, the pumpkins and the yeah. zucchini and stuff, they're really suffering from powdery mildew this year. There, it's a little bit different because uh, obviously that can affect the output and the yield of those crops. So that's when you w- might want to consider using something like Serenade or even one of the bicarbonate uh, fungicides like Green Cure is one of them where they're based I I could find uh, one on of the those, potassium bicarbonate. Like locally. I wish I could find a bicarbonate uh, for the I'm powdery sure mildew. Somebody yeah, has somebody them. has it. I have not seen it though. I've not yeah. seen it out Green there. Green Cure is probably the most common one uh, and they work really well but you obviously you want to try to do it before the disease totally takes hold of the plant because it's better as a preventative but even after it has it you know it'll keep it from spreading to on, other leaves. On the plus side... <laughs> My containers are going crazy. My hostas are outgrowing each other. They're under, they're, they're on top of each other, but they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. just going and going and going. It's just, it's amazing. I, I've got to move some hostas and I've been putting it off because I don't want to do it this 
time of the year. Yeah. It's, it's too hot, and I want to wait, but... Seriously, my sum and substance mm-hmm. has been swallowed up by Empress Wu. <laughs> well, Empress Wu, being the biggest hossa you can get, will swallow just about anybody. I think yeah, it might swallow yeah, a whole person yeah. in there. It's a it's a big yeah, hossa. it's a big one. So, what do you think? I I think I'm going to wait. I think I would definitely wait right. at this point. I mean, we're already at the end of July. I, you know, hold on another month, maybe yeah. the end of August, yeah. and do that. Um, you know, and I would tell that for anybody with. Other than like a German bearded iris, which is fine to divide and move right now, everything else I would hold off on until the weather But I, I did a container for a video, and my thriller was this Brugmansia that I got on sale. Okay. Which is the angel's trumpet. Oh, man. To describe it to people. You know, yeah. My wife was like, that pot out there is just amazing. Yeah. It's just this big, like, yellow trumpet flowers hanging, uh, you know, and then the spiller is just some purple uh Purple sweet potato vine and uh, what was the filler? Oh, uh, like a euphorbia. So, but those Brugmansia, and then with all the flocks behind them, I got to get a picture. I did not shoot a picture yesterday, but well, I got to get to it. Get to it. Get to it. Uh, and you have something going on next weekend? Yeah, that's right. This is, I don't know how many years I've been doing this, but this is one of my favorite places to go. Next Sunday, 11 a.m., join me at Plumline Nursery for their customer appreciation day. We're talking about my favorite trees and shrubs, and that is the place to do it. Um, Micah, he knows so much. It brings in the, the most interesting they have trees. Incredible plant yeah. material there. Uh, yep. Free food, good food. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Big sales and much more. It is one of my favorite events to go to, and I, it's got to be five, six, seven years I've been doing it. And the family is is just a wonderful family and that they were the first ones that I talked to for my plants that matter series about this huge Japanese maple there that has a a very special meaning to the family and uh, I can't wait to be out there next Sunday 11 a.m. All right, folks, we got some folks waiting to talk to Doug and Jess. We'll get to you in just a moment. Uh, but again, uh, the number, if you are feeling the need to talk a little gardening today, 866-391-1020, dollar bank, instant access, kdk.com. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green, the organic gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. Hey, congratulations to Gene from Shaler, winner of that gift certificate from Sorgles. We still have that Janowski's gift certificate to give away. But right now, a lot of folks want to talk to Doug and Jess, so let's get right to work and say hi to Jenny. Jenny, good morning and welcome to the program. Hi, good morning. How are you? Good, good. Jenny. What's going on? Uh, Jess, I have a question for you. My daughter and son-in-law, uh, one of their rose bushes, it's about six years old. Um, it, it, something happened to it. And my son-in-law researched it and said there's uh, something, three things come together to do this to the bush. And what it was was it was a huge wood and there were thorns, tons and tons and tons and tons of thick thorns. Mm-hmm. And she, my daughter gave me the name of it, but I can't remember the doggone name. But let me think. Let me think. Did you just want to ask just this question? I think I'm thinking rose rosette disease. <laughs> what do you think, I'm Jess? Agree- I'm agreeing with him, but I want to hear the rest of the story. Go ahead. Okay. Well, what they did was they dug it out completely, and they put a, a plastic, huge plastic bag over it, dug it out completely, and... Um, now there's just a hole there. The other rose bushes aren't near there. But he says that 
this this rose bush had three things. It had to do with the weather. It had to do with a little some kind of a bug. Uh-huh. And there was a, a third thing that had to come together. It was like a perfect storm to kill this rose. They're afraid. I mean, it just kills them because they love this bush. But they're afraid that it might spread. But like right. I said, the other rose bushes aren't real close to that one. Right. When you describe that sort of, um, you know, the, the, the thorns being real dense on the growth, the new growth mm-hmm. may sort of have this sort of warped look to it. A lot of times they'll have like the, the new leaves on the, that warped growth will be really dark red, almost like a burgundy color. That's a pathogen called rose rosette, rose rosette disease. Um, and mm-hmm. it's unfortunately oftentimes carried in sort of our wild, um, the multiple Flora rose that we see in the woods. It's an introduced species, and that's one of the species that rose rosette uh, sort of serves as a vector, right? That it, that an insect will move the pathogen from one of those wild roses into the home garden, it's and the then it can spread. That, worst thing that can happen. There's no cure for it, unfortunately. I have seen whole rows of roses in municipal plantings well, go down from rose rosette. Where they put that? Uh... Rose Garden out by uh, the Shanksville site. Mm-hmm. They had 300 roses. Yeah. Got Rose Rosette. Yep. Bad advice. Yep. And it took almost all yeah. the roses out yeah, of there. Yeah, because, you know, some people will say, well, prune out that disease. Yeah. Well, you prune it out, and then you go to a healthy plant, and you're spreading that pathogen. That's the other another way that it spreads. So, you know, if they're concerned about the other roses that they have, number one, don't use the same shovel you used to dig out that other rose or pruning shears that you used to, to clip the one that was diseased over, you know, to the non-diseased roses. Now, some particular varieties are more prone to rose rosette than other ones. So, for example, like New Dawn, which is a beautiful climber, is is like, if you have one, you're probably going to get rose rosette. I mean, and it's going to wipe the plant out. And I out. thought it was only because of the mite. I didn't know that three things had to come together well, I'm not. No, I'm not. I think she has maybe separate issues. I think yeah. maybe she, maybe there were rose thrips happening there, which are really common right now as well, which attack the flower buds. They don't usually cause the plant to die. Uh, there's cane borers that could be an issue as well. They could cause individual canes to die. So, so it's the but mite. the biggest one, the yeah. biggest one is the rose rosette because that's the one that. But there's the really mite no is the only for. way is the way that it gets it. That's what I'm or saying. Or pruning. If you're pruning uh, one infected plant to another, to another, right? That that can uh, promote the spread. And there's really not much that you can do to stop it. I mean, you know, there's no magic force field you can put around the plant um, to do it. So you want to, you know, if they're looking to replace it, they want to seek out varieties that are resistant to Could rose Could you put rosette. it in the same place? Um, I wouldn't. I yeah. certainly wouldn't. I would find another plant to put there, uh, you know, instead of a rose just to, you don't know, want to risk. And as far as our other roses are concerned, just don't. Use anything that you use yeah. on this plant, on those plants, and cross your fingers. But even then, I mean, and again, you're hoping that those other varieties are more resistant to the pathogen. But, you know, it's since, one of those things there's little we can do about. You since know? we're talking about roses, let's talk a little bit about softfly larvae. Because, mm-hmm. again, yesterday at Osterling's Lawn and Garden in Butler, that was the question was, hey, my roses are all kind of like skeleton. Is that slugs or what is that? And I'm like, no, that's softfly larvae. Yeah, they're just, their damage is so distinctive. And you describe skeleton skeletonization of the leaves. That's what it looks like. They just leave the little veins behind on the leaves. And as a tiny little green uh, larva of a, of a sawfly, so it's a fly larva, it looks like a caterpillar, but it's not, uh, on the undersides of the leaves. And sometimes when they're really young and an early instart, they're so teeny tiny, you can barely see them. Uh, but e- easily, easily 
you know, enough to cure them with horticultural oil or insecticidal soap. You just have to make sure you get it on the undersides of the leaves. And as I well. had a question from uh, somebody I work with uh, via the uh, via email, where she was saying that what she explained was a woolly bear caterpillar was eating her cabbage and marigolds. And I said, "Woolly bear? Are you sure it's not a?" She says, "Orange and black." So what? What orange? Was there an orange and black caterpillar out there that would be about an inch long? That I mean, woolly bear. Too early to see a woolly bear, isn't it? Well, I mean, they'd be young right now, so they wouldn't. I don't think they would have that uh, the dense bristly spines that they have. I don't know exactly what their early instars look like, but I don't imagine have that they. You ever they, heard of that? You uh, on eating, those two eating, particular like plants? Like eight or kale to the. I mean, there's some tussock moss that will. There's certainly lots of other my species guess. of that caterpillars. That was my guess, that, that tussock moth, uh, the one caterpillar that kind of has that coloration. Right. There's a light, there's sort of a tannish yeah. brown uh, species of tussock. And I see them on my elderberry bushes all the time. I typically, you know, if they're on an ornamental plant, you know me, I don't worry about any insects pretty much on ornamental plants because they'll rebound the next year and it'll be just fine. In the vegetable garden, though, she's talking about them on her cabbage that would be a little more unusual to see them. But, um, you know, certainly that family of plants, the coal family of plants, has lots of different species of caterpillars that feed on it. Did you have any kind of special milkweed you're growing this year? Did you have anything I have three different? different kinds of milkweed. I have the swamp milkweed, I have common milkweed, and I have world milkweed. Oh, and I have butterfly wait, weed. Wait, what's the, the third four. one? World. Like W-O-R-L-D? W-H-O-R-L-E-D. And I got the plants from our friends at um, Garden Dreams Urban Farm and Nursery in Wilkinsburg. What do the flowers look like? Uh, they're white. And the it's interesting, though, because the leaves are like needles. I mean, they're really oh, cool. small and thin. It almost looks like an Amsonia. If you know what an Amsonia, it has a real fine um, spindly leaves. On a, on a stalk. They're still pretty young right now, but they'll have smaller clusters of white, typical, looks like a milkweed blossom. So I'm excited for that to continue to mature, but my common milkweed's going crazy. But I only saw one adult monarch. Saw a monarch, no ba- saw no, a monarch uh, at babies. McGee Women's Hospital in their garden. Oh, that's exciting. Photographed it. Yeah. Uh, going from the milkweed to the uh, coneflower and back. Mm-hmm. So at least I saw one. Yeah. Hey, it's uh, Flo. Flo, good morning. You're on the air with Doug and Jess, KDK's Organic Gardener. How are you today? Fine, thank you. I wish we'd get rid of some of this rain, but what are you going to do? Yeah. At any rate, my question was about compost. I live uh, in Robinson Township, and they have a uh, compost pile at the community center. And it's, you know, free for the people to come and uh, get rid of their uh, trees and bushes and shrubs, and then they convert it into the compost. My question was, you know, with all these diseases and these plants, uh, not so much plants, but the trees, you know, some of them have been harboring this blight and this sort of thing. And uh, how good is that compost for my plants? This is an excellent question, and it's one that we get a lot, usually early in the season when the municipalities really start to give away that free compost. Um, uh-huh. That compost production on a municipal scale is highly regulated. By law, they have to have it in a certain size windrow. It has to be turned a certain number of times. The temperature has to be monitored. Um, and so when we do all of the things right, like we technically should be doing that in our home compost piles too, but when you do all that correctly, especially monitoring the temperatures, almost every plant pathogen 
um, is broken down during that composting process when it's done correctly. Uh, so most of, if not all, of our municipal composts are, are made the right way. They're I mean, made under great it, regulation. Right? I use it. I use it. I use it from the leaves that are collected from my community. And, and I've seen the, the facility where they do them, where I live. And I've seen the 60-foot-long windrows of the composting materials and the, and the tools that they use to turn it. So that stuff for me, no, a certified organic grower could not use it. But a home gardener certainly can use it, and you can still call yourself organic. In Robinson? Do they still have that? Can you get that now? Oh, yeah. Oh, how great. I mean, it, I mean it's, it's huge. and uh, it, it seems like it gets bigger. In fact, I keep thinking maybe one of these days they're going to outgrow their lot. They, uh, <laughs> well, with the rain and everything, people haven't been coming to get it like they normally would. Oh, but what some a great... deer still go out there, and there's a big row of it, and you, you know, and then you go out a week later, and it's gone. Right, <laughs> right, right. Well, that's so, great. What yeah, a great resource. Do. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic thing. It's the best thing Robinson does for us uh, taxpayers. <laughs> That's great. Well, and, you know, the one, only thing to think about with those um, commercial things is um, – you know, there there are some herbicides and things that, that maybe don't get broken down quite as well. But typically those municipal compost piles don't have lawn clippings in them. They usually will have leaves and plant trimmings and things like that. And sometimes on the yeah. on the edges, sometimes you can see some invasives that didn't the weeds yes, that yeah, yeah, that yeah pop they up. blow in and stuff like that. But typically it's not problematic. Uh, but boy, that stuff is the best thing that you can put in your garden. You know, some kind of compost, some kind of organic matter. That's what gives you the green thumb. Uh, and I don't know how many times we can say that. You know, it's like, hey, if just, just, you get the same questions all the time. Like, you know, this stuff is just not growing. It's just not growing. Improve that soil with that good compost. Drive your truck out to Robinson, fill it up. You know, what, I have if, to, what I, if you don't have a truck? Five-gallon buckets in the back of a Cadillac. There you go. <laughs> I've seen it done. That's right. Those leather seats will be fine. I don't have any of three of those things. No bucket, no truck, and no Cadillac. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please stay with us. Doug and Jess, just underway, they'd love to hear from you. 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access. KDK.com. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. Is Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, ladies and gentlemen, 10th caller gets a $25 gift certificate from Janoski's at 412-922-1020. Doug and Jess on the air until 8. Dollar Bank Instant Access. Any advice on growing hop vines, as in beer and hops, and the deer just keep doing a number on those hop vines. Ladies and gentlemen, Doug and Jess. Yeah, growing hops, you know, that's a tough crop for a uh, homeowner to grow. Well, you better have a big home. But and there, a big sturdy trellis. Actually, there was actually, I saw one the other day at Han Nursery. Mm-hmm. It looked like a more of a short clumping variety. Do they grow like I that? I think they may have some more compact varieties on the market now. But I have it, a... It's sorgos that grow up a 30-foot-tall oh, yeah. telephone yep. pole. Yep, I tell you what. Where I grow mine at home is in a big pot. I have a big container. Golly, it's probably maybe 30-gallon, 30 maybe 40-gallon pot next to the garage. And then we have a trellis that goes up over the front of the garage door. And because it's in a pot, it doesn't get as big as a hops vine that's grown in the ground. So if you grow it in the ground, it's going to grow 25 feet tall. And it dies back to the ground every winter and sprouts back up out of the ground. And by the time August rolls around, it's 25 feet tall. I mean, they're incredible. And those little flowers, you pick them off and you put them in your beer. Or you make beer. And you make beer. Yeah. Yeah. 
I guess. I guess. Starting, Wait, your what? Su- huh? starting your Sunday morning off right, but the deer. I mean, the deer. They don't bother it at my house because those leaves are prickly. You know, they have really fine little hairs on them, so they don't typically bother it at my house. I do sometimes get um, uh, caterpillars on it from the uh, question mark caterpillars, which is the name of the caterpillar. But you know, which that, are good how, things. You know how that is with uh, deer, though. They'll eat uh, anything, yeah, they and depending on the, the landscape. Will. So I would say a deer repellent or fencing it off somehow if you can. To, to you know, with alive. a hop vine. You could probably do what you would do with a tree. Just kind of surround it with a cage, the lower part, mm-hmm. and let it grow. Yep. Hey, let's say hi now to Jackie in Ross Township. Hey, Jackie, good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a quick question for you, for either one of you. I have a pussy willow bush, and it just the leaves are covered with little bumps. Okay. Oh, Salix. Yeah, so here's two things I'm wondering. Right out the bat, I'm thinking it might be some type of gall, but willow is not really one of those plants that commonly get leaf galls like that. But if it is a leaf gall, it's really nothing to worry about. Uh, it can have they can have it one year and not the next, so it's not a big deal. But then I remember from Miles from Miles yeah. from Davy Tree was talking about he has seen a lot of was it mites on the willows? I, I think you're right. I think, I think it was, it was mites. mites, some type of mites, and mites can be responsible for gall, something he some had, kinds of galls, something and he hadn't seen before, some kind of damage. So I wonder if perhaps that might be what's going on with your willow. But boy, those are one of the toughest plants in yeah. the in the garden. Nothing, re- I don't think, really to be concerned yeah, with. I certainly wouldn't worry about. Now, if all those leaves start turning yellow or black and falling off the plant, then I think you have something bigger to worry about. But a couple of bumps on the leaves, nothing really to worry about. Next year, they'll probably come back and be just fine. Yeah, the leaves are totally covered with it, and I had it last year, and then it's just growing tall. I mean, like last year, you know, I had cut it way down and everything, mm-hmm. and it goes to like 25 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, they're fast growers. I mean, willows in general are very fast growers, and when you, you know, cut it back really hard like that, the natural response of something like a willow is to send out what we call a whip, which is a real fine, straight whip-like cane um, that comes out of the plant. And willows are one of those shrubs that, that do that, pussy willows for sure. So I don't think that that has anything to do with the, the bumps on the leaves. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about it. If you would want to have someone like Davy Tree come out and take a look at it, they certainly can. They can do uh, you know, a pathological um, test or pathology test on there to see you know, exactly if, if it's a pathogen worth worrying about. Thank you so much. Thank I really you. appreciate Thank you taking my call. All right, let's go now to Jackie. Jackie, how you doing? All right, let's go to Sharon. Sharon, how you doing? Really good. Good morning, everybody. Morning. What's hey, up? um, I got a little problem. Um, I got a groundhog. He was really cute when he was in the neighbor's yard and living under the shed, but he keeps on coming over to my place. And the first time, he just... He just stared at me. Now I go out and I yell, and he runs. But he's real close to my walkway and my my deck. And I don't want to hurt him, but how do I get rid of him? At first, he's cute. <laughs> then he comes closer and stares you down, and you yell at him, What's next? <laughs> <laughs> ay, ay, ay. You can't have a garden and have a groundhog. That's what we always say. No, what starts as a little problem becomes a big Ugh, problem. I hate groundhogs. Big problem with groundhogs. Is he eating any of your plants so far? No. Okay. No, he's not, he's not like anywhere near. He's more closer to the deck than any of the plants. Okay. So, uh, you know, 
<laughs> yeah. They're really challenging um, to get rid of. Uh, obviously, I don't want to tell you to go out and get a shotgun or, you know, if I hire somebody to do that, but you can let me, hire. Let me tell, let me tell her You're that. You're going to tell her that. Go get a gun me, and shoot it. <laughs> let me tell you this. You can actually, if you don't want to do it yourself, you can hire like a critter control company. They're in the yellow pages of the, the phone book. There's a couple of them. They're animal controls. Where and they'll you, take it away to the groundhog farm and he'll live happily ever after. They can be your dirty conscience, right? And and take care of the problem for you. You can also, uh, you know, live trap it yourself. But uh, the... I don't want to carry the cage. Well, and Pennsylvania so. has laws about, yeah, you know, relocating and Technically, you would not like be allowed to do that. Right. Okay. So you, you know. can find the burrow and deal with it that way. Also, I heard that if you put cat litter down in the burrow and you'll, you'll used cat litter. Yeah. Or, okay. Yep. Yep. You'll move him to the. Hey, with all else. due respect to these groundhogs, can you imagine, Doug, our father spending this much time talking about a groundhog who is doing this he, much he, damage? He looks so cute. <laughs> yeah. Right. I could just hear that over the breakfast table Sunday morning. <laughs> Only thing we would hear. I thought the Fourth of July was three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean that's tough. I mean you hate seeing. You know. I know. I could never kill. A gro- I could never k- kill a groundhog. But I have trapped and released them. And even though it's probably, I think it's a five hundred dollar fine, I, I wouldn't have the heart. I, you know, can't even kill a fish. So it's true like- story. I love hunting and I love the whole outdoors thing. But I was twelve years old. Got a gun for Christmas. Twenty two. My dad and I were out in the woods and I was learning to shoot. He wanted to show me how deadly guns are, so he shot a bird. Okay. I literally put the gun down and never picked up a gun ever since then. So, yeah, I, I would have a tough time doing that, too. Yeah, relocating. Well, what about when that daughter of yours gets a boyfriend? You going to get that gun back out again? Listen, I'm just lucky enough my daughter spends time with me, <laughs> let alone a boyfriend. He's not going to use a 22. Use a shotgun <laughs> no, for that no. sort of thing. Oh, okay. no, you got to have the pump action sound. I let the grandma. Oh, he'll get that ring right out of his pocket <laughs> You know, in what? a hurry. But, but being that I had her as such later in life, you know, that I'll be like in one of those uh, medical beds in the living room, so she'll be bringing him in to see me there because I'll be There's just there. a great event. Yeah, right, 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 exactly. <laughs> I think I knew your grandparents. All right, listen, I dated your grandmother from <laughs> you uh, anyway let me take a very short break for some uh, golf and some sports and some commercial messages and doug and jess coming back in the home stretch stay with us doug and jessica teach you how to keep it green the organic gardeners this radio 1020 kdka it's that time again for Mrs. Know-It-All, who is Denise Schreiber, Greenhouse Manager for Allegheny County Parks. Denise, how are you this morning? Uh, good, and maybe I'll even get to work outside a little bit today before it rains again. Yeah. Uh, how is the garden doing, and how are the weeds doing? Oh, oh the weeds are doing wonderfully. The <laughs> weeds are just absolutely fabulous. You know, you, you know, one day you get them all out, and you come back the next day, and it looks like they had grandchildren everywhere. So you I, got you some know, classes. I, I, you got some classes coming up. Uh, I do actually. Uh, Tuesday night, I have my home preserving class, uh, so, and I bring samples, of course. So you know, there's going to be maybe some of my pickled peas. Do you and... get do you get a good response on on that? Because I was again, I was talking to people yesterday, and they they're starting to they kind of felt there was a trend for less of of that uh, putting up. How do you, how do you seeing that? Are people oh. coming? Actually, I've seen an increase because people are so worried about where their food is coming mm-hmm. from and, you know, diseases we're seeing, you know, in certain foods. So I see 
you know, the last time I had 35 people show up. I oh, mean, good, we were good. crammed in there. So it is really something people want to know about now. So that's Tuesday. And what else is coming up? And Wednesday, I am doing my Urban Myths and Legends in the Garden Talk. And that is, you know, that's just going to be, you know, a, a presentation. But it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of facts. And then the 31st, that mon- next Monday, a week from Monday, I'm actually going to do, weather permitting, um, a walking tour of Corrigan Drive where we have all the flower beds. We're going to go to the demo gardens, and then we're also going to go to the All-America Selections Trial Gardens, which most people don't ever get to see. And how do people sign up for this? Uh, they can go onto the Allegheny County Parks website, or you can call 412-350-2455 and register there. You know, the canning class and... Um, the Urban Myths and Legends class are five dollars for county residents and six for out of county. The walking tour is free. You just need to bring some water, sunglasses, maybe. I'm being hopeful. We'll need sunglasses. Yeah, you'll need sunglasses, a sun hat, uh, and an umbrella. Umbrella, just to keep the sun off. <laughs> right, thank you, right, Ms. Right. thank you, Mrs. Know It All. All right, here is uh, Jackie. We found her again in Brentwood. Jackie, how are you? Good morning. Welcome to KDK. Thanks for calling back. Hey, Jackie. Good morning. I have a sour cherry tree that is growing behind my property. I did not plant it there. I think a bird did. However, it's about 20 feet tall. I have a growth on it. The only way I can describe it is it looks like a corn dog, a very hard brown wrapped around the branches, and they are numerous. Can you help me and tell me what that is? Absolutely. That's a disease called black knot disease, like a knot like you tie in your shoelace, black knot disease. And uh, it is one that goes sort of between cherries and plums. And you'll see it does look like sort of a black knobby growth wrapped around uh, the, the, the certain branches on the trees. Uh, it's easily spread by pruning equipment, but the best way to, to get rid of it is to prune those growths out of the plant and to go back about four to six inches uh, beyond that black knot to cut it out of there and disinfect your clippers with a Lysol spray or 10% bleach solution in between each one of those cuts. Your plant's never going to get rid of it. It's it's you know, Some cases the plant, you'll be taking the whole branch off, right? Yeah, exactly. Some cases it will kill a whole branch. Eventually, the tree will, you know, decline if not die from it. But that could be many, many, many years from now. I mean, I've seen plum trees with black knot disease that live for many years. Uh, and, Is it and fatal? Produce. Eventually, eventually, okay. yeah. But uh, I mean, they can live for many years with it. So, and they sort of have to have a, a cherry and a plum sort of within range of each other uh-huh. in order for the infection really to work. So. Dollar Bank in. Instant access. All my squash plants wilted and died within a week. Is this bacterial wilt? And what can I do, if so, to prevent prevent it? That would be my guess. Bacterial wilt. When we see a plant that's looking absolutely wonderful, and then we come out the next day and it's completely wilted. No matter how much water we give it or how much it rains. I disagree. Oh, what do you think? Respectfully, it is? if it's a squash plant, I think it's a squash vine borer. Well, there's another possibility. Right? Also, look at the look at the bottom where the the vine is and see if you can find a little hole in there with some what looks like sawdust that's a possibility too but it could be bacterial wilt it could be bacterial wilt you're going to go back to that base of that plant see if it's real soft there you can even slice it 
uh, along the length of the stem with a razor blade and look inside of there and see if you see sort of a fat and sassy caterpillar-like critter in there, which is the actual vine borer. They're real common with zucchini, different types of winter squash, and it will be that way. It will seem like the plant is super healthy, and then just like bacterial wilt, the next day you go out and and it's gone. Well, start off by saying, you know, talking about how we can prevent that, and then I'll talk a little bit about preventing bacterial wilt. Yep, so to prevent the squash vine borer, one of the easiest things you can do is just take a strip of aluminum foil uh, out in the spring when the plants are really young, when they have just one or two true leaves, and wrap the base of that stem with uh, that strip of aluminum foil. And you want to wrap it snugly, but kind of overlap the ends a little bit so that as the stem grows, the uh, aluminum foil can expand with it. And that aluminum foil should be tucked down into the soil by about a quarter to a half an inch as well. And what that does is it protects the most vulnerable point in that plant so that when the female squash vine borer moth goes to the base of the plant to lay her egg, she can't because it's protected by that aluminum foil. And then just go out every you know week or so and make sure that foil is still in place. And then bacterial wilt is spread through cucumber beetles, which one thing I never thought about for cucumber beetles uh, was what you brought up is that they're great pollinators. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so getting rid of the cucumber beetle is not a good thing. Uh, although when they're chewing on those leaves, that's how they're getting the bacterial wilt. And so what I'm doing is I'm planting a variety. Uh, I'm doing success, succession planting with my vine crops. So May 15, May 30, June 15, and I'm growing them up to try and keep them away from the beetle. And that's been pretty successful. Try to grow varieties that are resistant to bacterial wilt will will help. And it would be interesting to see uh, what, which one of those two things it was, bacterial wilt or if it's a squash vine borer. Because I didn't think squash vine borer. That's a, that's a Everybody everybody gardens.com. I I don't mention it enough, so tell the folks about that. That's just where you can read all my stuff. Uh, That's where the videos are, blog posts, uh, stories, uh, a little shop, everything you could think of related to me is on everybodygardens.com. And Jess, what have you been up to lately with pen in hand? Lots of good stuff. So my regular trib column uh, and my website where you can look uh, that I work with uh, some other garden writers as well is uh, SavvyGardening.com. So you can find me there and you can find us both on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those social media places yes, as well. Yes, Pinterest and uh, <laughs> anything you could possibly think of. We are young and hip and cool. I'm exhausted. So says Doug. (laughs) I'm flat out exhausted from it all. One more person says try Instagram. They're going to get it. I love Instagram. I know. I don't want nothing to do with Instagram. Yeah, you've been. It's the easiest one because it's just putting a picture up there. My pictures are frightening. I don't want to do that. (laughs) I want instant retirement from it all. All right, we'll come back. Stay with us, folks. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020, KDKA. One of the things I was talking about yesterday when I saw the folks uh, at Osterlings was all about succession planting, you know, and I saw those seeds up there on that shelf. This is a a good opportunity to start planting now to take you into the the fall and maybe beyond. Uh, It's so funny because I was doing... Uh, some radio cut-ins there with a Butler radio station, and uh, <laughs> turnips came up a couple times. <laughs> I love fall-grown turnips. Are you kidding? And August, usually late July, early August is the time to get them started. Um, for example, in my garden, you talk about succession planting. I'm pulling out the peas. The peas are done. My peas are finally done. That Those, uh, finally, yeah. uh, after a... a St. Patrick's Day sowing. So those are going to come out, and I'm going to do a second sowing of carrots in their place, maybe some beets, 
uh, some shard, if, the, if I can keep the deer out of the garden. So all of those things that get pulled out get replaced with something else automatically. And you, I know you're picking all winter long. Oh yeah, I, I just I love that part of it to be able to uh, to to pick when it's cold when people aren't harvesting. You know. That corn mache, mm-hmm. uh, that stuff, you just you buy a packet of seeds that you can find it out there. You know, I saw that uh, Han had seeds 50% off, and I've been swooping in there, you know, me and the bargains. But, you know, corn mache, tatsoy, things like that. All those delicious greens that grow so well in the winter weather. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live.